This is our first session now on 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He has just prayed for them in the preceding verses. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts. This is his prayer for them and establish them in every good work and word. And now, finally, brothers, pray for us. So he prayed for them, and now he asks that they would pray for Paul and Timothy and Silvanus. And he has two requests for them. One, that the word of the Lord may run and be glorified, just as also with you. And two, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for faith is not of all. I'll come back to that awkward translation in just a moment. So, Father, as we try to grasp this double prayer of Paul, I pray that you would teach us to pray like this, teach us what it shows about us, about the Word, about God, about prayer, and take us in to the mind of Paul here and into the experience of powerful word unleashing prayer. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first prayer request is interesting because he says, Pray for us. It's like, okay, we need your help. But then what he asks for first is not something so much for us as for the word. He says, That the word that the word of the Lord may run. I'm giving a literal translation now. May run and the word of the Lord be glorified. So two things he wants to happen. He wants the word of the Lord, the gospel, to run and then be glorified. So the picture is a race and an athlete, and the athlete is running so as to get the crown and the praise at the end. So he wants the word to outrun all opponents, right? The opponents would defeat the word, and the word, wouldn't, the word would not be glorified, wouldn't, wouldn't get the crown at the end. So he wants this word. He's, he says, pray that the word would outrun all of its opponents and would be glorified at the end. It's like uh, 2 Timothy 2.9, where he says, I am suffering for the gospel, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. It runs. Even when I'm in jail, the word is out there running. So pray for that. And if, if anybody says, well, doesn't the word have its own power? Why would prayer need to be, need to be added to the preaching of the word? And the answer is because it's right here in the text. <laughs> we, don't, we don't tell the text what would be good for the word. We listen to the text. And remember what James said, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. That is an amazing statement that says the world is different when you pray than when you don't pray. And if you don't see how that fits together with the sovereignty of God who governs all things, 
We'll just do it anyway. The way it fits together is that if God governs answers to prayers, he also governs prayers. However he does it, the truth is, prayer matters. Pray for us that the word would outrun all of its opponents and that it would win and be glorified. Now, what does that look like? If you take it away from the imagery of the race and ask in reality, what's he talking about? He says, just as also with you, which means we can go back and read what it looks like. Here's 1 Thessalonians 1. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like when the word wins. The word won. It outran all opponents, and it brought these people into such transformation that in the midst of affliction, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gospel, they had joy. And Paul concludes, well, there's only one explanation for that. You belong to God. He chose you for this. Or here it is, again, the description of the triumph of the word in the Thessalonians. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, not men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you. So when the word wins the race, it persuades people that it is the word of God, it creates acceptance, it sets to work in their lives, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. So suffering, again, like the afflictions in chapter 1, is an evidence that God is at work in them, which means that they receive the word in triumph. The word ran, and it won the race, and in their faith, in their acceptance, in their joy, it was glorified. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Second prayer request that we may be delivered from evil men. So this one is positive, or what you call offense, I suppose. And this is, this is negative, or defense. Cause our preaching the gospel to win the race and get the crown of faith in believers and guard us with your prayers. May we be delivered from wicked and evil men. Paul had prayed that very kind of thing in Romans. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that we may be delivered. It's the same word right here. Pray that we would be delivered from wicked and evil men. Only here it's Pray that we may be delivered from unbelievers in Judea, which leads us now 
to the strange phrase here. This is a very literal translation and very ambiguous, I know. This, this is the phrase that is perplexing. Faith is not of all. Faith does not belong to all. Faith is not the mark of all. What does that mean? And it's the ground for the fact that evil men will oppose the gospel because faith is not of all. And you could just take it simply, I suppose, not everybody believes, and those who don't sometimes oppose us, pray that we'd be protected. That would be a simple interpretation. But this sure sounds like he's saying something more. Let me suggest that it might well mean here, faith is not the appointment of all because some are chosen by God to believe and some are not. Remember, he said that back in chapter 1. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because, how do we know that? Because our gospel came to you in a certain way. It created faith. That's how we know God has chosen you. The joy of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of affliction proved that you are elect. You are chosen. You are of those who have faith. Or even more pertinent, perhaps, because of its link with this word right here, consider Acts 13. So Luke is describing Paul's ministry to the Gentiles when the gospel was rejected by the Jewish people. The Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's the word given to Paul that he should be a minister to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Sound familiar? May the word of the Lord run and be glorified. The word of the Lord run and be glorified. That's exactly what's happening here. They began rejoicing and glorifying the word. I don't think there's another place in the New Testament besides these two places that speak of glorifying the word of the Lord. And then this, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Who believed? Those who were appointed to eternal life those who were chosen, those who were elect, those who God called out, and he opened their hearts. So maybe, I can't prove it, but it sure sounds to me like this phrase here, pray that I be delivered from wicked men as I preach the word and seek to have it glorified. Pray that I be delivered because faith doesn't belong to everybody. That is, not everyone is chosen by God to have the gift of faith imparted to them. And so when they don't, they often rise up in rebellion, in their unbelief, in wickedness and in evil, and make trouble for me so that I can't preach the gospel. And I'm asking you to pray, first, that the gospel would run, and second, 
that that opposition would be removed.